Ah ouais, le coloré s'écrinouche, le s'accorde jélia, car il quitte à chez Asmila Bouitis, en ce fait qu'il faut que tu arrêtes de prouver, pour que tu arrêtes de prouver, et si tu as un autre tâche de nous, en ce moment, il Mr. Mayor, Councillors, dear friends, it's a very, very great pleasure to be with you, and thank you for that warm reception, and thank you for that generous introduction. May I express my thanks immediately to the Gospel Choir for their wonderful singing. <laughs> the title of the strategy, the document itself, Belonging to Limerick is actually a very inspired title, containing as it does the word belong, which I think conjures up an image of being attached, of being connected, and being part of something. And I think it's a great choice, Mr. Marriott. All the members of the working group and all the different participating organisations, and I congratulate them on that. I'm very pleased to have the opportunity of speaking here today on it's such an important day of ethics, but that is what it is. Because the immense effort that has gone into the preparation of the strategy is so clearly evident in every way. And I, I do thank all those who have been involved in all the different stages. Uh, as you may know, the Rabbah Ganimnach, Mays Quimna, in Yes, I, I sometimes am asked, but before I go any further, just let me say, I absolutely congratulate you on your hurling achievement. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to Joe Canning's father, and he said to me, who could be grudged? And but also, much more than that, that isn't all of it. You have a very magnificent, fine team. And it's a credit to all those who are involved in sport that they have brought it to such a very, very high standard. And I'm also delighted to be here where we are, and I'm not forgetting uh, Anthony, and I'm not forgetting the achievements in other sports as well. I was born in Limerick, and uh, I was thinking as I was preparing my notes uh, for here uh, about what I would think about that. Uh, because my father, uh, spent most of his life here and he after the incredible civil war with its incarceration it was very difficult to get a job he got a job at 50 pounds a year in Newbridge and then he moved to Limerick where he rented a premises in the Decatling Street near where Finn's restaurant was and later to Upper William Street as it was there and things were all right for about five or six years of our lives and then my father became very chronically ill, and in fact, my brother and I lived in County Clare with my uncle and aunt from the age of five and four, respectively, from 1946 on. My father, my mother, and my twin sisters lived at ten different addresses in the creek. Uh, I asked, was talked to my sister Kathleen the other day, and I said, Do you remember them all? And she was able to write them out for me. And they were, reminds me of something important on the theme of what I have to say today about migration and migrants. And there are migrants within Ireland, uh, that is people who are moving from space to space, and people who just in the same way as many of our Irish who have gone abroad in the past, are seeking to put down roots and belong. 
And that is the significance of the fine work that you have, in fact, on the title of the strategy, Belonging. It's such a very, very, uh, very, very good work. I think as well it is very important to think of, you know, um, we would come in a day from, I remember coming in from the market first regularly, and all of the names that I associated with, some of them might no longer be there, the names like Canucks and Boyds and uh, the, the Dublin House. And, uh, I remember we being fascinated by the great fire of Todd's, which the fire went on for about a week and so on. And then there was, of course, Woolworths, which was very much for a child at the time, it was a very, very great attraction. So I have, in a way, you pick up sensibilities about a city. But city, live Limerick, is dominated above all else by the fact that it is at the mouth of the, the greatest of the finest of the Irish rivers, the River Shannon. And I think it was from the arrival of this island of the ancient peoples and the Mesolithic and Neolithic periods through the Copper and Bronze Ages, they in fact actually came through the Shannon. And we have a whole mythology constructed about those early residents, be the two with the Danon, the Milesians, the Gales, the Firpol, and the Fiona, whatever. But we probably have concentrated more on the Vikings and the Normans and the British colonial settlers who followed them. And they were all part of the story and the identity that is our history. I think uh, we have to realize as well, you know, that we've been slow to, to leave some of the more immediate things that impinge on our memory and that should impinge on our memory. The history of the famine, the cataclysmic effect it had on our population. And I think too that all those people who left, uh, I often think of the 1950s, between 55 and 1960, <laughs> 250,000 Irish people left Ireland, uh, mostly to go to England. Uh, women went into domestic service and into nursing, because you had to pay to go nursing in Ireland at the time. And most of the men, and many of them, would have had primary education, and they helped build Britain, and so on. It was in that atmosphere in the 1940s. I remember my father telling me when he moved from the public house that he, he, had, he had sold a long time earlier uh, to open a, a sweet shop, that everyone's ration books were located in some grocery so they couldn't move from one shop to another. So it was a very bad time to be making a retail shift. <laughs> but, but what is that we have in common, all of us? I mention all of this because I do think very often as well as I read the president of Ireland, the conditions of those who are homeless, the conditions of those who are insecure in their dwellings and rental sector, those who have really, I really think it's a terrible mistake uh, to be using that Americanism for house, the property. We show you around the property, or see this on television, where people want is shelter or home security to be able to belong in a place and to make connections. And I think that the experience then of leaving, of rare returns and exile, is very deep in the Irish psyche. And in a sense, those of our people abroad, they're very like the people that are now with us. You never, and we should never require anyone to leave their previous experience. Because after all, those in Ireland, those who left Ireland in any of the periods that I mentioned, they made time beyond their own efforts at putting down roots 
at that point of destination, to stay aware of what was happening at home. This is true, be it in terms of Australia, be it true of the United States, be it true of England. It is in my time uh, that we stopped using the category immigrants' remittances in our budget. This is the money that was sent home from our immigrants abroad to help balance the Irish members of papers. This, this is reality, and it is a reality that should inform our attitude to everything. And then again, we have to ask as well, what would, would our journey to be independence, for example, have been the same without the engagement of the Irish diaspora around the world? We celebrated that over the last few years, and the answer is it couldn't possibly have been. Because when, in fact, the energy was totally exhausted in Ireland, it was very much those in the United States and others that took an interest in the Irish language, they took an interest in independence, and then in many cases. I actually have discussed, really feel what should be entirely open about all of these experiences. In my father's case, a family of 10, he was the youngest, and he was only a few years old when his father died, and my grandmother was assisted with a, a gift of 100 pounds from Australia to rear her 10 children. So this has been part of Ireland's experience. So therefore, no one should be astonished at all about any aspect of migration, immigration, emigration, and immigration in any way. I think also as well, running through the various answers and issues that are thrown before us, I think it, we keep encountering this movement. We have so many tales of in the song literature and in the written literature in the short story, they are ones of departures and exile. And we have the experience of migration. There never has been any one period of migration. Uh, uh, there are several different ones. For example, between 1815 and 1845, many Irish people immigrated to the United States. They were mostly tradespeople. They were very well off by the time the famine came in 1845. And they didn't necessarily welcome a tsunami of people arriving in desperate circumstances in 1847. And therefore, the new arrivals were scattered throughout the United States. So there are several types of forms of migration that have been part of the Irish story. I think as well, Limerick is, of course, in one of the most dramatic points of Irish uh, identity, of Irish immigration in the history of it. And that is, of course, the departure of the wild geese. I was amused, I have to say, with no disrespect, as somebody said, looking at the one time, was it the wild gander or the wild geese? <laughs> well, the fact is, these wild geese, just, they have a very specific history. At the end of the Siege of Limerick in 1691, it was the Jacobite commander, Patrick Sarsfield, whose name is, of course, enshrined in Limerick's story, and remembered people immediately say from Sarsfield Barracks, but I like to think Sarsfield Bridge as well, because I remember often walking over it. And therefore, he, the treaty he made, which of course would be broken in terms of its conditions, stipulated that he and his soldiers would withdraw to France. So that is a very significant movement into exile, long before the 19th this century, the deportations, when people were deported from, uh, from Ireland to, to Tasmania and, uh, uh, and elsewhere. 
Over 10,000 of Sarsfield soldiers, come to think of it, and their wives and children all gathered together, and they left Ireland upon the signing of the treaty. For them, the Shannon was the last river they would have seen in Ireland of the great images, and indeed the majority of them would never return to Ireland. You would say that this is a very heavy price to pay for their defeat. But we must think as well about what it must mean when we come to terms in our contemporary world with the displaced people of the world, displaced through conflict, or displaced through climate change. Approximately at the moment, on our fragile planet, about 64 million people. I think that the majority of them, as I said, would never return, and they would go on, and the ones that we have been told about, really, are those who develop reputations very often in military service, uh, uh, in the military service of the European monarchies. I think, as well, there was something left. Did they not leave any people behind because if the 10,000 went with their, their wives and children and so on? And I, they did. They would have left because at that time the concept of the family is an extended family. And as in all migration, as in all who come here, as well as all those who have left Ireland, those left behind are often the people who carry a great deal uh, of the pain. Uh, my grandfather's brother and his, my, and his sister immigrated uh, on the Montmorency to Australia in 1862. Uh, they never saw their, 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 their brothers and sisters again. And when I was on a state visit uh, to Australia, visiting Australian cities on the very last afternoon, I had an opportunity of visiting the grave of my uncle who worked in the railways in Australia and of my aunt who I never saw. And I remember writing from Australia to us home in Ballycar. In fact, in coming to Limerick today, uh, on the other side of it, I, I am being welcomed by Mayor Collins and all of you. Uh, I was reminded about the returns. Returns can be wonderful, and there have been some very dramatic returns for shores. Maybe one of the most famous, uh, most of you have far too young, so it's plenty of to remember was in fact when Limerick hosted President John F. Kennedy as he toured Europe at the height of the Cold War. He was welcomed by the then mayor of Limerick, Francis Condell. Indeed, he's on record as saying that Francis Condell's speech was one of the finest speeches he heard in his tour of Europe. Uh, in many ways, President Kennedy represented, if you like, the resilience of those Irish who had settled in the United States, and not just the resilience, but their achievements and also the highest aspirations of Irish people who left our shores over the centuries. Two things about it, their emphasis on education to escape from insecurity and poverty, and the other part of it, if that pre-famine wave between 1815 and 45 had moved with skills and today, post-1845, were scattered throughout the United States, they then saw that it wasn't through poverty that they would enter into the United States society, but by joining the frontline services. So they joined the police force and the firemen and so on. And they took a calculation that their best way of advancing, as indeed the Kennedys did, was through City Hall, and therefore through entering politics in, in, in that <coughs> way. During his visit, President Kennedy replied to Mayor Francis Condell, <coughs> refers in the first paragraphs of his speech to his fellow citizens of Limerick openly acknowledging the strong connection that he felt with the thousands who had come out to see this fascinating American president 
and most distinguished representative of the Irish diaspora. Kennedy, he's been seen as, I'm correct, as a powerful symbol of what should be possible for immigrants and their children. A man who considered himself to be and was recognized as being American, an American, important part of American society, yet maintaining a happy and eccentric connection with his familiar roots. And my hope is that those immigrants who have come to join us in Ireland and their children in generations to come can, in a similar fashion, achieve their ambitions with our help and forge their own identities, which will be for the benefit of us all. For we too must ensure that immigrants to our cities and our country are accepted, and that is insufficient even that as I said, would be enabled to establish a strong connection to our island, enabled to become integral parts of what will be our shared communities of the future, and that will be part of the ongoing story of our nation, that they will be enabled to belong. And as I look back at it, after you mentioned all those years, I was involved with human rights activities in different parts of the world as well as at home. I think it's very important for us to realize that when we use words like integration, we are not talking about adjusting to what is only. We are talking about making a new space into which this complex can come to represent something new. And therefore, in a way, it is not about capturing something. It is about sharing capacity and to bring something new into existence. We've made mistakes in relation to that in the past. I think particularly in relation to the traffic community, where in fact we have, in fact, understood when we had a, a standard, often inflexible housing legislation, which we was not capable of taking into account the complexity of difference what we could add, as did the people in the case, the people of the United States, uh, and from which the office chair Kennedy emerged, and so on, the very indeed we remember, I'm speaking in 2018, 50 years after the assassination of Robert Kennedy. And it's very interesting the difference between even the two brothers, because Robert Kennedy, before the point of his assassination, had come to see the unfinished tasks of, in fact, achieving equality and rights for people in the United States. May I suggest that we achieve the best of ourselves when we make the effort to understand and accept the complexity of identity. When we move on from simply tolerating difference, we can come then to embrace and celebrate what makes the newest citizens of Ireland, the newest citizens of Limerick unique understanding the importance of seeing culture as a process that is open to change, continually being renewed, deepened, adding new elements. And of course, the great example of that is in music, which has gone away and come back enriched. I think as well, open to change in accordance with time and place and history. And no one strand of any core culture being asked to cede its identity to another. In global terms, as a stage in Ireland, we have moved from seeking to find our place in the global stage following independence. We sent delegations abroad seeking recognition for the new state. So today, what we are a state that is respected globally 
and that presents an attractive image of hope and opportunity to many around the world. And thus, in the early 1990s, as Ireland entered a new era of economic growth that maybe wasn't as deep as we thought, the direction of travel began to change. The flow went in a different direction, and we began to welcome more people to our shores than we were than we had been farewelling in history. The population of Ireland grew substantially, and Limerick is no exception. In the 20 years from 1996 to 2016, Limerick's population has grown by almost a, a fifth, about 18%. And some of this growth can be attributed to migration. Today, people born outside Ireland, of course, they account for just under 10% of the population of Limerick City and County. And people have come from far and near, to, and they are making, an, as active members, making a contribution to Irish life and society. We've seen the welcome return of some of the youngest, some of the, many of the Irish diaspora, and the others who have come on visits retracing their footsteps of their ancestors. But we welcome too people from, people from Poland, Lithuania, America, France, Britain, Romania, Nigeria, Latvia, Latvia and Brazil, amongst others. I think too, like all of us on this planet, like us Irish, there's a kind of a conclusion you could draw now, and that is people have always been moving. The natural condition is not one of being sedentary. It's quite shocking when I was a sociologist teaching sociology, we say to people, the person who is strange is the person who's never moved anywhere. <laughs> in fact, actually, people are moving all the time. I have to explain to people in many cases that even in the most traditional of Irish farmhouses, when someone died and the chair near the fire, someone else moved into it, which was a kind of migration in its own way. But each of these, these new, our condition is not natural sedentary. People have always been moving. And that creates a particular set of moral, intellectual, psychological, cultural challenge. Each of these newly arrived members of communities to our shores has contributed and continues to contribute to our society and to our future as a nation and student Ireland's relationship with their home country. I recently had the opportunity to visit both Latvia and Lithuania the two home countries of two of the largest migrant communities in Ireland today. I have to know, I've been congratulating you on the hurling achievements, but nearer to Galway, I must say that with regret that the arrival of our Brazilian community has not led to the hope that proportionally change I hoped in our football and football. I'm I'm placing my current hopes in the game of the next generation. <laughs> but I really doubt at the time of my own early years in this city that many could have foreseen the changes in Limerick's fortunes that were to come. But Limerick has had to move from hard times. And I equally say, let us not underestimate tasks of social cohesion, tasks of social inclusion, tasks of equal opportunity, tasks of equal provision of capacity still exist. These we deal with, we must work together to solve. I think <clears throat> for Limerick to move from the hard times that I've given some hints of, and as I say, still exist in some parts, 
that it was to a position where people are coming from all over the world in search of the opportunity that the city now has to offer. It's a remarkable location and it's wonderful people. It's a remarkable turnaround and one that should be celebrated. Where Limerick has become a home for migrants, a home for their hopes and aspirations. And Limerick's new integration plan, with its wonderful title of Belonging, <coughs> is such a strong statement of the real wealth that exists to ensure that all those making new homes for themselves and their families are enabled to become full participants in the life of Limerick and in the shaping of a shared future. I also think as well about those changes, about the importance of walls, always go down to Bedford Road, there are seven sediments. I know that at the very heart of the plan has been a determination to ensure that it is strongly based on the voice and experience of migrants themselves who have made Limerick their home. And thank you again for your singing. And I was inspired to read a quote that is there in the, in the report from a member of the migrant community in Limerick who said, I feel like I belong in Limerick. That's a fantastic compliment. I want to be part of the solution. And that is truly uplifting. And so may I encourage you all to go beyond just feeling that you belong to Limerick, but to be confident that Limerick belongs to you as well, as you have been singing. And I'm very pleased to hear that many of those who have generously offered their voices and shared their experience are here today. These are voices from the reality of the experience and often from below. And the strategy is not aimed solely at Limerick's migrant community, but the entire community of Limerick, who have so much to gain by welcoming those from other nations who wish to become full participants in the life of Limerick, offering their talents, skills and perspectives for the benefit of all. And may I wish well to all those who are working at the coalface in relation to the tasks of inclusion. Never despair, but also as well as that, keep seeing the future. And as President of Ireland, I want to strongly support you in, in that. There are challenges for both Irish and immigrant families. There is much work to be done to ensure that this city and county can respond adequately to the needs of all who live here. But the strategy that is being launched that you've asked me to be part of the launch of is a great start. It's part of an ongoing effort, and of course, it is a crucial, key part of the National Library's integration strategy. So it's encouraging to see such a proactive approach on the part of Limerick. Local authorities and indeed local organisations, including the important voluntary sector, they are at the cold face of integration. They have the, and again, I qualify such integration. They have the cold face of the new belonging. And I think, therefore, they have a great responsibility, but also a great opportunity of achieving fulfillment in working together to fulfill the aim of a society where all are accepted and can flourish unhindered by prejudice. Inherent in a successful response to inward migration in our country is the need to draw at all times from the best of our shared instincts, the best of our humanity, regardless of where we are born or what our experience was. Each of us, while we are here in the time allocated to us, are motivated at different times by hopes and fears and aspirations. We share similarities as human beings in the fears and insecurities 
that would have to be transcended from time to time in the life cycle. And in responding to immigration, we will encounter, and there have been occasional thoughtless tendencies, we must be aware immediately of and correct it immediately as necessary to ensure that any crude simplifications and generalizations that might obscure the essential humanity that is involved in understanding the needs of our new neighbors, colleagues, and friends is never obstructed. We need to be ready to cast our memory back to our own ancestors and relatives, to consider from time to time how they were treated on arrival in their new home. Even more, how we would have experienced their encountering the other, how we would have wished their experience had been, the importance we would have attached to that world which is in all the belief systems of the man, the word hospitality. How do you receive the other? And it isn't a case of any exchange. It is the generosity that is involved in the delivery of that. And in doing so, we should be able to reconsider our own approaches, so that we don't repeat the mistakes that were made elsewhere at any time. The stories of the wild geese that exodus during after the famine, and then the more recent periods of immigration that I referred to through the 1950s, they leave us a perspective of what it means to leave one's land or to see one's family leaving. But they also demonstrate the valuable contribution that migrants have made and can make to their new homes at the point of destination. I do recall even when I was working in the summers in England in the 1960s, seeing, and I was writing my first letter to the newspaper was to the London Evening Standard, and someone had wanted to send all the Ireland show. And the owner of the hotel where I was working for the summer said, we would like you not to put the address of the hotel in your correspondence. But as I turn now, finally, to the newest citizens of Limerick, may I say directly, Maru Tronehen, your contribution to this city and county can be measured in many quantifiable ways in opinion. People will, as I have, speak about population. People may speak about economy, use a phrase like the labor market. But what can be measured is less tangible, but no less important. What you make to the culture and social development of Limerick and its richness, as I've heard this morning. You have brought with you a wealth of culture and heritage that will enrich this city and county and will contribute to its vibrancy for many years to come. And do not think that you must ever have an amnesia about the stories that you have brought with you or the stories that you will recall as part of your original heritage. We need those as part of the new threads and the tapestry we are trying to make together. The Roshan is more a pleasure than when they show up. And they show how to do chance of all again if they should cover more show. And this is in the chance of the unhain. And this is a quarter's nahir at the tail yen and they can call a cover good luni. And this is a goffin and tall cover by talking of low. It has been such a great pleasure and privilege for me to be here today as President of Ireland to reconnect with what is this great city situated on the Shannon. It's a wonderful opportunity for me to see it firsthand too and to be given this report, the efforts that Limerick City and County Council is making to welcome and integrate, integrate, as I said, in the new space together that we are making, migrants. 
And on behalf of all of us here today, I thank the Council for its continued focus on this issue. And may I say, finally, finally, my focus good, I would like to take the opportunity of thanking, as President of Ireland, all those staff and volunteers of those organisations for your dedication, your generous giving, your, your time, which is often your most precious resource. And a strategy that we launch now is only as strong as those it can draw together and draw upon. All of the work is a two-way process, efforts required from all communities to ensure success and realise the benefits. And each of us here today has a role to play in ensuring the success of the strategy. And to the members of all the communities gathered here today, it is my sincere hope that Limerick is for you as it was for me for a brief period, and for my father, mother, and my sisters a much longer period. I hope that in years to come, we will see you and your families flourishing alongside your neighbours doing new things, achieving new forms of happiness. And to those from the Irish community who are your neighbours, I hope that together we can embrace our newfound neighbours with the most generous of Irish hospitality, giving real meaning to that word, hospitality. We must live up to our reputation of a thousand welcomes and delivered. A welcome has no cost. It is something that comes from the heart much more than the head. Yet a welcome has boundless value to those who repeat it. I'd like to express my thanks once again to all those who have invited and welcomed me here today. And I wish you all the best of luck in continuing this important work. My fellow citizens of Glenbrook, may I thank you. Be the greatest.